Hi, I'm Jason Nichols, and I'm on the left. And I'm Vince Colonnese, and I'm on the right. And, and if, if we, we can't, can't find, find common, common ground, ground in this world, world today, today, then we're all just travelers. Passing each other in an international airport. And this great American experiment will be relegated to the trash bin of history. So let's come together to debate without yelling. And, and let's, let's save, save this, this nation. nation. Hunter Biden, the 2020 election, a look back and the United States border. Will it hold? It's Vincent Jason, Save the Nation. So going into the art world, Hunter Biden has created a circumstance whereby he can collect half a million dollars at pop at a pop for a piece of work. Uh, and there's going to be no paper trail. President Putin had ordered all of the Russian services to denigrate the uh, Democratic candidates and support um, then President Trump. If they come into this country, they'll end up being released into the country and have months or perhaps years to stay here. This episode of Vince and Jason Save the Nation brought to you by Gold Co. Hey, everybody, I'm Vince Colonnese, and this is my buddy Jason Nichols, and this is, of course, our show, Vince and Jason Save the Nation. We do it three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We post it in podcast form and on video on YouTube. Make sure to go to the Daily Car YouTube page, like, subscribe, comment, and share. Make sure a lot more people get to see it as well. Jason Nichols, how you doing on a Monday? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How are you? Well, first of all, I don't know if you saw any of that football this weekend, but it was phenomenal. Justin freaking Tucker, 66-yard field goal. Unbelievable. Ravens fans, you know what's up. No. <laughs> That's incredible. No, I actually missed football this weekend. I kept saying, my wife, I need to do it because... Uh, we uh, we're in the process of moving home. So I was like lifting boxes and putting things away. And I still don't have a good TV set up yet. Uh, but hopefully by next weekend, I'll be doing that. I'll be able to catch uh, awesome 66 year old yard field goals. Hopefully it happens again. Uh, that's cool. And by the oh. way, you're looking good today. I want to get to that in a bit. I, you got this, uh, this great shirt on. I've got to ask you about it. Uh, and we're going to talk about it coming up. Uh, but first and foremost, let's get right to the news of this past week. Um, you had uh, Peter Schweitzer. Uh, on with Maria Bartiromo this weekend on Fox talking about uh, the president of the United States and his son, Hunter Biden, who's become a, something of an artist lately. Uh, and they were talking about his upcoming art show. Take a look at Peter Schweitzer discussing Hunter Biden's art stake this out to genius level corruption. And what I mean, Maria, is that Hunter Biden previously was going around the world striking business deals that required a certain level of transparency. If you're sitting on a corporate board that gets disclosed, the art world is um, very, very hard to trace money. In fact, the Senate did an investigation in 2019 and concluded that the art world was rife uh, with uh, money laundering, oligarchs moving money around. So going into the art world, Hunter Biden has created a circumstance whereby he can collect half a million dollars at pop at a pop for a piece of work. Uh, and there's going to be no paper trail. And the White House says the ethics solution here, I will put that in quotation marks, Maria, is that nobody's going to know anything about anyone involved. Uh, well, that's absurd. Uh, we know that these art deals, uh, these art shows, Hunter Biden's going to be there schmoozing with people. Uh, we know that the man holding these uh, art uh, deals and, and showing Hunter's art has said China is a growth market where he really wants to go. Um, and we know that this is what the Bidens have done for decades. Uh, it's really not in dispute. So this is a new yes. avenue for corruption. The money is going to give a, an opportunity for foreign corrupt interview, you know, intermediaries who want to curry favor with this administration. And Jill Biden is displaying this artwork in the White House, uh, which is a really nice gallery for foreign dignitaries to see 
see the work. It's absolutely extraordinary. Before we go, let's just put up this graphic on the, the deals that Hunter Biden still has uh, in China, because we know about the famous infamous email that says, yeah, we're going to do this deal with CEFC and 10 um, percent held by H for the big guy. Uh, we, we found later that the big guy is, in fact, Joe Biden. Do you think these th these dealings are still going on now with Joe Biden as president? Is he making money and then holding it for the big guy when he's out of office? Is that is that the plan here? Well, we know it's a great question, Maria. We know that their finances are intertwined. The emails make that clear. We also know that Hunter still has existing ties to Chinese companies that are linked to the Chinese military and Chinese intelligence. BHR, that private equity firm where he was put on the board wow. and given a stake, yeah. uh, that is estimated to be valued worth $20 million. And that deal still exists. All right. So Hunter Biden's uh, business dealings on the side uh, continue to be a focus. Uh, this um, this artwork, by the way, they showed that, that artwork that they showed at the top was a little bit better than I expected. No, it's I, it's good. I've, I I've actually. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's like I, I was saying about the uh, the way that he makes it. It's uh, he uses a straw. Apparently he dips the straw in paint and then he like like I think he like blows it out or something or some and he creates these like these bubbles of paint like all over the paper. Uh, but it is the safest thing that he's ever done with a straw. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this. So, well, there's a lot of things to say about Hunter Biden. Uh, the one thing uh, that I will say about his art is that art experts, from what I've read, um, a lot of the experts say that his, his art is surprisingly good for someone, particularly for someone without formal art training. Like his art is good. So it's not like he just, you know, decided one day, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a straw and I'm going to blow some paint and then people <laughs> are going to buy it because I'm Hunter Biden. Like he actually has talent. And, you know, Hunter Biden, you, you kind of get the impression he's a guy who's always been just trying to find his way. So I've been reading. I have my, my book. You know, it's kind of one of those books that you get on sale and you keep it <clears throat> for when you're on the crapper. And you read like one yeah. page at a time. And so I, I have Joe Biden's book, Promise Me Dad. Um, and you almost, and, and it's not intentional, you almost feel really bad for Hunter Biden because it's clear that Bo Biden was the golden child. Mm. And, and it's, even though he tries to balance it out, you know, with like, I love Hunter, you know, Hunter's a, a great kid. Hunter went to Yale Law School. Hunter's not an idiot. He's he just makes stupid decisions. But he's not like like he went to he he graduated from Yale Law. He was like uh went was part of the JVP. Then he was, you know, the board chair for some World Food Bank or something like that. But he still just didn't have his place. And Bo Biden was just so like incredibly good, better than Joe Biden. And Joe Biden admits it. He's like, he was better than I was. He had more talent. He was, you know, he was smarter. He was, you know, all of those things. And so everybody was just like, Bo Biden is going to be president. That was the idea. Mm -hmm. um, and Hunter Biden was just like the other son. You know what I mean? And right. I think you get the impression <clears throat> that, and, and I, you know, I can't psychoanalyze this, but you know, I was I was wondering, like, after the death of Joe Biden's wife and other children or other child, I think it was just one child, right? 
I think so. Um, <clears throat> you wonder if Hunter Biden's like, you know, why, did, why am I here? You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's almost that, that noticeable that, and obviously this is, this is written after Bo Biden's death, which clearly affected his father very much, but mm-hmm. you know, you get the, you get the idea that Hunter Biden is just kind of lost, like, and, and Joe clearly favors Bo. Like it's, sure. it's not even a question. And Bo was, was that guy. He was like that great kid that every American wants. And then you, you know, then there's Hunter. Um, but I will say this too, with, in terms of the, the substance of, of the conflict. And I know the right has like this long lasting four hour erection for, uh, for Hunter Biden, which I'm like, geez, y'all, y'all are obsessed. Um, you know, I, I just do, I do have a couple of questions, you know, based on things that I've read. And I'll, I'll ask you, if this is a conflict, and I do agree with what the gentleman said, um, in terms of the art world being a place to move dark money. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's no question. It's been like that for hundreds of years. Right. Um, so I, I, I agree with that. But for this to be some outrageous conflict of interest or for for a father to hang his son's artwork that hasn't been sold yet like in his you know in his office my dad still has a haiku that I wrote in second grade in his office um you know I I don't see that as a big conflict if that's a conflict then I'll ask you this Uh uh-huh was it a conflict of interest to have foreign governments and special interest groups hold hold events at Trump properties was it a was that a conflict of interest? Well, they might the way they arranged it. Yes, it was. It was a conflict of interest. But okay. the way that they tried to create um, barriers against that, I believe, was didn't they 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 sold the things at cost. I think they didn't ter- generate a profit. And if they did, I believe they they routed that money to the Treasury or something. I mean, they came up with a system yeah, designed I- to prevent that from being a, a source of influence peddling. OK, so let me ask you another question. Sure. Was it a conflict of interest for the Trump organization to get 70 trademarks from foreign governments, including China, during his presidency? Yes, it would be a conflict of interest because because that would be a means by which foreign governments would attempt to purchase influence in the administration. That said, um, the Biden when Trump came into office, one of the things that they did when he turned it over to the Suns is they swore off any new foreign business deals. Um, yeah, they swore off it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I again, I mean, that, so for a reason. I mean, the point is you're supposed to to avoid those types of conflicts because of the obvious nature of the of the office that it yeah. had, wields so much power over the country. Right. No, I, and I, and I'm not I'm not even gonna. I think we have a lot of time to talk about this, but I, I'm I'm not even gonna debate any of those points. Right. Um, and lastly, was it a conflict of interest for Trump to take a congratulatory phone call from the Argentinian president? I believe his name is Macri. Um, after he won the election in 2016 and used that phone call to lobby for Trump property in Argentina. Yeah, I don't know that story, but if, if it yeah. is what you say it is, then yes. November 4th. Uh, yes. November 14th. 2016. Okay. He was not yet president. He was president elect. Uh-huh. Uh, he was called by um, I believe the, the Argentinian president's name is Mauricio 
Macri. Okay. And Macri congratulated him on winning the election. Mm-hmm. And Trump said, hey, you need a Trump property in, in Argentina. Okay. During that phone call. Yes. That would be a conflict. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I, I do think, I think some of those conflicts are bigger than others. Yes. Um, you know, uh, but they're all conflicts. So I just find it kind of interesting that Maria Bartiromo uh, is spending time talking about Hunter Biden, who's literally trying to find his way. I, I really think Hunter right. Biden. But here's here's the thing. I, let me just talk about the Hunter Biden component. I think the Hunter Biden story is way bigger than you're giving it credit for. Uh, you mentioned the kind of like the, the idea that the right has this obsession with Hunter. I think for good reason. I think the media should have an obsession with Hunter and his particular form of grift. There is a, a casual corruption in Washington that's been tolerated for a very long time, but this is about as overt as you can get. I mean, Hunter would accompany his father on trips in his official capacity as vice president of the United States. And then he would have business meetings and then he would arrange meetings with his own father. So he'd have these business partners with whom he was doing this business with meet them. And what was Hunter selling in particular? He was selling the notion that he had access, that, that by virtue of hiring Hunter, you're hiring Joe, right? So why does a company like Burisma, Ukrainian energy company, pay Hunter Biden $50,000 a month when he has no experience in that industry? Mm-hmm. It's for his name. It's for access. This, for is, sure. what they're, this is what they're trying to buy. Um, we just saw last week, Business Insider put out a new emails, nothing to do with the original Hunter Biden laptop. More on that in just a second. Um, but new emails from a, a, a pair of Obama donors who were trying to unfreeze the assets to the Libyan government back in 2015 that were frozen by the Obama administration. And they saw Hunter Biden as a possible vehicle for that. Now, there's no evidence that that deal ever came to fruition. That is, there's no evidence that Hunter himself was hired by these guys to unfreeze those assets in Libya. But what there is evidence of is in this exchange, they're talking about the value that Hunter might be able to bring if they do hire him. They say Hunter's asking price at the time to, again, unfreeze Libyan assets in the Obama administration was $2 million plus success fees, whatever that might be. I I assume that's uh, some sort of cut of whatever the assets were that were unfrozen. Um, But at least $2 million, that was his going rate. And they said that one of the reasons why he'd be a valuable asset is because his father, Joe, vice president at the time, had Libya in his portfolio. That's for which he was responsible for. They also talked about uh, Hunter's access to other world leaders by virtue of what you just mentioned, uh, the U.S. Um, component of a, uh, a world hunger organization uh, that's based out of the U.N., um, and, and Hunter at the time was chairman of that organization. If you go and you look at the list of who is members there, it's like a you know, political who's who. These are people who are all very well connected who are on the board of this organization. Uh, and again, Hunter's there because his father's uh, a powerful senator and then eventually vice president of the United States. Um, and again, that's not unusual. A lot of that going on in Washington. A lot of people have jobs because oh, of yeah. who they're related to. Um, <laughs> it's a big deal. But, but in particular, what you have is is this guy, Hunter, generating tremendous amounts of cash uh, by virtue of his relationship with his dad. And additionally, that, e- that laptop we're talking about, that, we, uh, that I want to talk about, but didn't get much conversation, I would say, uh, from the American news media, by and large, over the course of the past year, um, contained at what we knew to be authentic emails from Hunter Biden back in October of 2020. Just last week or so, about two weeks ago, Politico published a report saying that they now believe 
that the emails on that laptop were authentic. Um, they were able to authenticate them now. Um, and that added to the body of evidence that shows that, look, Hunter's sending emails around talking about how much money he's going to generate from these Chinese companies and these Ukrainian companies. Uh, and um, in, he's in the Chinese company in particular, you heard Maria Bartiromo say it a moment ago, he was going to hold back 10% for the big guy. That's what they wanted to do, a 10% cut for the big guy, that big guy is Joe Biden, at least according to Hunter Biden's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, who says all of this on the record. So sure. I would say that this is a pretty substantial uh, scandal that is receiving virtually no attention, or at least didn't, especially during the election. There was an effort to really suppress this story during the election. <laughs> Uh, and that is, that is, I think, a gross abdication of the responsibility of the American news media. It's a, it's a real story that deserves a lot of real attention. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a weird place to be because I certainly don't want to defend Hunter Biden. I think Hunter Biden makes terrible decisions. The question is, does Hunter Biden make decisions with his father or does he make them on his own it's a good question um and and i really believe that hunter biden is a wayward person who makes decisions or even uses his father's name without his father's real solid knowledge uh, i do think his father tries to support him sometimes out of guilt and, and again this is the impression i'm getting uh out of the book that's sitting on the back of my my you know my toilet yes um you know is that like, I, I get the impression that Hunter Biden, you know, Joe wants to, like, support Hunter in whatever Hunter is doing, but that he's not actively involved in Hunter and never really was. And I think that's what really, uh, and in some ways, kind of hurt Hunter, um, is that he was actively, Joe says in the book that he was thinking of retiring um, because he wanted to work on Bo's political career. You know, like it, it was all about Bo. Yeah. Like it, his, that was, that was his legacy was Bo. And then there was Hunter. And I think Hunter didn't, didn't know what to do with his life. And I really believe that Hunter sometimes uses his father's name, um, in order to say, Hey, see, look what I did. Look, look at the, the money I'm making. Look at what I'm doing here. Um, I think every political dynasty, if you want to call the Bidens that, has a wayward child. Um, the Bushes have a couple of wayward children. You know, I think Jay had, uh, excuse me, Jeb has a couple of wayward kids. And um, there is a third Bush son who no one ever talks about, who is kind of like the Hunter Biden of that family. Um, I think that uh, there are always these kinds of situations here. And, and when you look, um, if you want to talk conflicts of interest, I, I think there are plenty of them in the last administration. These are things that I think we just broadly need to clean up. As far as Hunter Biden's art, you know, which is what they were referring to here. I mean, the art world, I, I, like I said, I agree that that's a really dark world where money moves around in really dangerous ways. Um, but I will say this, um, Hunter Biden, by most accounts, is a talented artist, and he deserves to make a living off of his art. 
not, you know, because of his name, but he shouldn't miss opportunities in spite, you know. I mean, uh, but there's a lot of talented artists who don't make a living on their art who are trying to. So that's what we that's where we come up with the phrase struggling artists. Right. It's like sure. it's people who have talent who, who can never get ahead in that. Hunter Biden, I mean, $500,000 for a Hunter Biden painting. What are they buying? Are they buying the painting? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, if if I think it was uh, Ronald Reagan's doodles in his in his uh, like notepad, he used to doodle during meetings. And right. those went, you know, those were auctioned for like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that yeah. these weren't this wasn't art this wasn't something you're going to put on your wall it was a just piece of history yeah exactly um so i mean with with hunter biden um i think because his name does ring in so many circles and <clears throat> he's not like one of the bush daughters or anyone he is a name that literally gets pushed out there oftentimes you know he's not the obama daughters or the bush daughters he's got the crazy story behind him. Yeah. Um, I think that that sells paintings and that sells art and the fact that it's quality, um, I think actually is, is why these paintings are selling. Of course, his name, you know, being Biden does do something for him, just like the Trump children will live off of the Trump name. Okay. Forever. Let me, let me flip it then. Do you think that there are going to be buyers who are interested in trying to purchase influence with Joe Biden by way of these paintings? You know, I I don't, but really, I, think, I mean, how would, could we? I but mean, I think it's. We, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I I I really don't. I think, um, number one, I think Joe Biden sees that this whole thing with Hunter is hurting is hurting the the president's credibility. I think that this is a scandal he doesn't want. Um, everybody in the you know who's been talking about the White House says that they're groaning over Hunter's art career. Um, they realize that Hunter has the right to actually, he's a private citizen. You can't stop him. So, the ethics, you know, the ethics people, the lawyers, yeah. they can't come in and say, Hunter, you can't do art. You can't sell it. All right. So here's um, the thing though. The white house knows that they're, yeah, going and they to, don't, they don't like it that they're, I know my, my point is this though. There, the white house knows that there are, um, buyers who are going to be interested in purchasing influence who think that they can do that through Hunter. Right. Right. So they created this system and you kind of heard Schweitzer allude to it. It's like, it's like, you know, whoever the buyer is, it's going to be anonymous. Hunter's not going to know who that buyer is. And that's just silly. I mean, if you, if Hunter Biden makes, you know, whatever, 10 paintings and then sells them at this auction, uh, he's going to find out who the buyer was. You're going to, it's not going to be some gigantic secret. Like the buyer is going to become known to him. And so whoever's trying to, if you're trying to influence pedal, right. And, and, and you're trying to purchase influence. If you, Jason Nichols, decided, okay, I'm going to spend $500,000 on this painting. Yes, I know that it's supposed to be anonymous, but I, I'm going to make sure Hunter Biden finds out that I bought it. How hard would it be? I mean, whether it's a leaked story to the press or whatever, like, yeah, I'm the guy who bought the painting. Then you're in. I mean, that's the, that's the key is just to convey to him, yeah, the, the reason you've been enriched is me, brother. And now let's like, let's meet. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. I mean, this is the... I, this is, this is why the White House created this system, which I don't think is a good system. It doesn't really so what, doesn't what would, ensure the secrecy. So you're, you're one of the ethics people. What, what would be your solution to this issue? Because I'm not sure that there is a solution. Like, what, what is the You cannot stop Hunter Biden from making art. 
or from selling art. So they're trying to do something to put, you know, up some sort of block there yes. so that it doesn't look, you know, so that it looks a little more transparent. So, so that it, you know, you know that you're not getting influence with the president of the United States. Yep. Uh, wh- what do you do? You can't stop him from doing get, this. That's the you point. get Joe. You get Joe to get him on the phone and say, knock it off. Like the only reason anybody's going to give you a half a million dollars for your art, as good as it might look, is because I'm the president of the United States. Go sell insurance. Put yourself on ice. And after the presidency is done, you can try and, and score these all these other deals that you want when I don't have access to influence. That's true. I mean, that it really yeah. is. Would you would you buy that, insurance from Hunter Biden? He'd probably no, I wouldn't. <laughs> but but the point is like do something else. Go put up siding. Like, you know, just figure out uh something to do that doesn't involve selling influence. And that's not what that's Hunter's career has been this. I mean, this is like all of his jobs are basically like, hey, how how much access to Joe can I buy? Yeah, see, I but again. With him being an artist and him actually, like I said, having actual talent, I think this is literally the first job he's had where it's like, I'm doing something that I care about. I'm doing something that I love. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. And then comes this situation that says someone's going to, my dad's going to come along and say, no, you can't do it. Yeah. You know, I I think that that it's maybe that is the solution, but that's tragic. You know what I mean? Like he's a he, tragic figure. Look, I he really is. He I, really uh, is. I and I'll I'll just finish on this one in terms of my views of Hunter. It's like I'm not that interested in Hunter Biden as a person. I have never been. Uh, he, you know, his scandal, his life is has all these like lurid scandals in it, and people can get caught up in it if they want. the The extent to which I'm interested is like how much is Joe Biden compromised, and in what ways is Hunter Biden making that happen? That's where I'm interested in Hunter. And all right, you know, so all, all the rest of it is like you know, whatever. I, I I think that like all of this, like gazing at the worst moments in people's lives doesn't really do anything to help anyone actually. Right. Yeah. I, I, again, I agree with you. Um, I just wonder where all the right wing, uh, outrage was when Ivanka Trump was getting those trademarks in China. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, during, during the presidency and working in the white house, Hunter doesn't work in the white house, by the way. Hunter just gets calls from his dad on his birthday. But here is Ivanka Trump, who is an advisor to the president. Her husband's an advisor to the president. She's still getting trademarks. I think it was 34 of them through China. Mm -hmm. And where was all the outrage? As a matter of fact, I went on Fox News a bunch of times. I brought that up. And guess what? Everybody spoke down on it. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. She has a right to do that. I'm like, but she works in the White House. She's actually a government employee. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can have it it is possible to have a sense of proportion and say, okay, this is a big scandal. This is a little scandal. This is untoward. This is outrageous. I mean, that's that's possible for sure. Um, And there's another component to this, too. It's like, you know, like Joe Biden himself is only coming from the world of politics. He hasn't held an actual job for like many years. Um, And then. And then like, and then Trump and the Trump family, they like, they came straight out of the business world. So they put a lot of their business deals on ice um, for the duration of the presidency. So you can ask questions like that. And you have every right, as I just told you moments ago to say, yeah, that, that looks like a conflict. And that's the kind of thing that you should avoid because that's the way that people can try and purchase influence with you. And you should avoid that appearance wherever possible Um, because it, it doesn't, it's not good to make Americans skeptical of how you achieve outcomes. Yeah, I I hate to be that person that complains. And I certainly think it's stupid to go around saying the media is the enemy of the people or stupid stuff like that. But what I will say is, 
like the media's got to get some balance. Like the the right wing media is going crazy over Hunter Biden, uh, but yet they completely did a see no evil, hear no evil with the last administration and vice versa. Mm -hmm. When are people actually going to have some kind of balance where they can say, look, that was wrong. This was wrong. This is what's wrong with our government. Hey, guys, fix it. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is which is what the media should be doing. I agree. And, you know, the Hunter Biden story, I, I agree with you um, in a lot of ways. I just don't know that there's a there's a solid fix for it. You know, I mean, getting a call from your dad, you know, is, you know, and saying, hey, don't don't do your job is I don't know. That's that's kind of I mean, but he's just got he's just got an inside deal, though, Jason. That's really I mean, this is one of those things. It's like you and I talk about this all the time. It's a class difference, man. It's like because he has access to power, he gets away with things that the rest of us can't like the whole like remember the weapons thing like where the, he, he has um he lied on a, uh, a weapons uh, uh, application, um, I think a concealed carry permit uh, application in, I believe, Delaware, about his status as um, a drug user. And he got the gun anyway. And it's like, a, it's a felony to lie on these, these applications. N nothing ever came of it and nothing ever will. You know what I mean? It's like, he, he's got access to power. So like, if you or I did that, we'd be busted, honestly. Um, and so it's just like, you know, I... It's it's discouraging because, um, you know, the American news media has played such a massive role in abetting this story, um, not getting the attention it deserves, I think. I mean, the, the last election is the best example of that, where you had the American news media, places like NPR and Politico, which I just mentioned moments ago, going out of their way to say, if we're going to talk about this at all, we're going to suggest it's Russian disinformation. Otherwise, we're not covering it because, um, you know, there's no reason to, and it's a distraction. And they went on to other things. This is, these are the things they actually said in the waning months of the election. And that was just false. It was all untrue. There was a totally authentic story that deserved scrutiny. Uh, and especially when voters well, I, were trying to make a decision about who to elect. Well, I think part of that was they were saying that there's no evidence that Joe Biden was tied to wrongdoing. You know, um, even, even the Tony Bobulinski thing, it wasn't a conversation that he had directly, if my understanding is correct, he didn't have the conversation directly with Joe Biden sitting there directing, here's where the money goes, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it was Hunter Biden who was saying these things, or at least that they have evidence of where Hunter Biden said, this is, you know, we'll give this to the big guy. Yes. You know, Tony Bobulinski described meeting with both Joe and Hunter. And, uh, and what did that, Joe say? And I, I don't know, but he said that Joe was aware of their business dealings. He, that, so that's, again, that flies in the face of Joe's claims that he never discussed business with his son. Yeah, I mean, if we're to believe uh, Tony Bobulinski and, you know, how trustworthy Tony Bobulinski is. Uh, I wish somebody friend. would interview him. I wish. Yeah. I wish like, well, Tucker interviewed him. And I'll say this, you know, his best friend is Hunter Biden. Or his good buddy is Hunter Biden. Does that make him a trustworthy person? I don't know. You know, um, who, who I, I think there are a lot of people who might question it because of who he associates with. Um, but uh, I can tell you who we associate with. Please. And uh, who we associate with is Grunt Style, um, who does some fabulous things. They make fabulous clothing, as you can see. I'm rocking yes. this new grunt style t-shirt or long tee here um they make you know really patriotic apparel they employ hundreds of veterans 
They do yeah. a lot of good work in support of veteran homelessness and veteran food insecurity and helping people with things like mental health and PTSD. They're really I'm excited. Great. I'm excited about this uh, partnership we've got going with Grunt Style. I, I went to their website and I was cruising for some t-shirts and I like the one you got. Now I'm jealous because I didn't pick that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've got a couple and I'm going to start wearing them on the show here. Um, and uh, it's cool. You see a lot of shirts that you kind of think like, I feel like I've got to be a veteran to wear uh, some of these shirts. And they point out, no, you don't have to be. All you, there's all sorts of patriotic clothing there. Uh, you can support veterans by wearing, you know, something that's to do with the Army or the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force. Uh, or you could just wear, you know, their patriotic clothing, like what you've got on. It looks great. I, I really like it. And I like everything you just said. I mean, it's like, like an actual American company who actually hires American veterans, who actually hires a, like even more just Americans all over the place uh, and make some cool shirts, really cool shirts. Um, they've got a club and everything. You can like, you can constantly be getting uh, new shirts on a monthly basis. Um, so I think people right. should check it out. I like, I think it. it's, you know, and it's high quality. It fits my dad bod really well. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, makes me look like I have military muscles. Um, but I'll say this also is that you have a discount code um, STN. When you go to gruntstyle.com, you put in STN for save the nation, of course. And you're going to get, uh, I think it's a 10% discount, right? 10% off, baby. 10% yeah. off with the discount code STN. That's grunt Yeah, don't, don't bite my style, but definitely go out. They've got tons of stuff in their catalog. It's really great. Support veterans, support American companies, um, and help them, to, help them to grow. Yeah, amen. All right, let's jump into our here. We've got, let's see what we have. We've got a... Oh, and George Stephanopoulos is uh, chatting with a guy, Brian Murphy, former DHS employee. Uh, and he has some information about the 2020 election that he wanted to share on national television. Take a look. Take us inside if I'm one. Let's take one example. Take the issue of the Russian disinformation. As you say, how would that work? What, what were you finding? What were they trying to get you to say? Sure. So, you know, it, it's out now in the public domain, but I'll just go back a little bit to give an example. In 2020, late 2019, early 2020, it was highly classified that uh, President Putin had ordered all of the Russian services to denigrate the uh, Democratic candidates and support um, then President Trump. So there was a push on across government at the senior levels, the cabinet officials, to do everything possible to stifle uh, anything, to get anything out to the American public or to our overseers in Congress. About that interference. About that interference. They did not want the American public to know that the Russians were uh, supporting Trump and denigrating the, uh, what would soon be uh, President Biden. So do you, do you think that that's a big story or is that a, a small story? Um, I think it's a small story. I do. Oh. I do. You want my rationale? Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to hear the rationale. Okay, good. So um, I think it's reflective of the type of garbage that the Trump administration had to deal with for the duration of its existence in office. So remember, Trump comes into office and it's the entirety of his presidency uh, is on, there's this subcurrent of um, conspiracy that like the only reason he got into office is because the Russians worked with him to put him into office. It creates the Mueller investigation. There's all sorts of like just nonstop conspiracy theorizing, all of it horseshit that somehow he was working with the Russians to be elected and that he wasn't responsible for his own election and that voters didn't choose him of their own accord. 
And so he's angry about this, right? For four years, for the whole duration that he wanted fair and square, there's no collusion. How many times did you see a tweet that said no collusion? So the idea that they didn't want DHS to be trying to tell the American public that, uh, well, the Russians would like to see Trump win and Biden lose. I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm not surprised. First of all, he's president of the United States. Say is, did, did you say, were you surprised by it? I don't think any of us were surprised. No, but I just think that but the keep, idea, I just the idea that it's some sort of epic scandal that we would like, that the Trump White House in particular would be like, no, we're not going to feed that conspiracy theory going into the 2020 election. Uh, no, we're not interested in it. I'm not surprised by that. Now, is it a scandal? I would say it's low grade. Like I said, like, I don't think it's like a huge deal. Um, I do think it's important that our government be transparent. And uh, so I'm, I'm more on the school of like, hey, like treat it, the American people like adults and like tell them what's going on. But there is no question the American news media would have acted like utter children uh, with with some sort of intelligence claim so, in hand that says I'm, that Putin was interested in Trump being elected again. Vince, come yeah. on. Are you are you serious? Like you just got you just got finished saying, you know, the the news media was irresponsible yes and what they did with with hunter biden yes and hunter you know they should have shown us hunter biden slapping some prostitutes behind on some <laughs> freaking laptop you know oh it's irresponsible for them not to show that but yet the government is keeping information from the press intentionally mm-hmm. and and yet you know, oh, well, that's, you know, the government, because they're angry, they can do that. They can keep information from us. You're, you're someone who you and I always agree. This is one place where we always find bipartisan yeah. agreement is that the, the government should not be keeping information from the American people. Yes. If it's real, show it to us. I agree. But yet they are trying, they're going around to all the, the higher ups in the government are saying, shh. Don't don't tell anybody that the Russians, a foreign, you know, a foreign nation is trying to keep, you know, is trying to do certain things and undermine our election. Don't don't say it. Keep it quiet. And that, to me, is really troubling. Trump has done a really good job at countering that narrative, witch hunt, this, that his people would it would not have changed one single vote for Trump had it come out that the Russians were doing this. But we as the American people have the right to know that. And you, government, that is not you, Vince Colonies, but you, government, don't have the right to say to the press, well, I don't think you can handle this information. You're going to do it in a way that I don't like. So you're going to act like children. So I'm not going to give it to you. Uh So you can give it to the American people. I think that that is really scary. That's freaking tyranny. Well, I think I I mean, I I, honestly, I think kind of like all of the elements here, both the government and the press are grossly irresponsible. So just want to take that out. Um, The other is like I I agree with you, like on the issue of transparency, I I err on the side of transparency. I'd rather see that information out in the public. And then by extension, I'd I'd like to see a fourth estate who actually knows how to contextualize this. Right. Because the idea that like Putin played a like super meaningful role in getting Trump elected garbage. And the idea that he would play a meaningful role in getting him reelected in 2020, also garbage. Now, the extent to which the Russians- But there's no evidence one way or the other that it helped him or that it hurt him. Well, he lost. So there's that in 2020. And in 2016, 
2016, the, the Russians pulled off a couple different things, or they tried to anyway. They, they bought a bunch of Facebook ads and that, that like were with the design of like trying to divide people, like get them to attend like rallies. They bought ads on both sides of different political issues, in particular Black Lives Matter type stuff. Um, and then they, and then they organized um, some limited number of rallies against Hillary and for, oh, sorry, um, for Hillary. And so the point is like, it was, but if you look at the ad spend on this Facebook stuff, it was like nothing. It was like a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook. Like really, that's the extent to which they were meddling in the election. But consequentially, and here's where I think that this, this Trump instinct comes from, for the duration of his presidency, you get Russian disinformation that populated a, a dossier that was pulled by a former British intelligence official called Christopher Steele, put together for, for the Hillary campaign and then handed over to the United States government as a means to get the government to launch an unending investigation into Donald Trump and his campaign. Yeah, it's not a surprise that he's that the the, the DHS reaction was, no, we're not going to continue to feed a conspiracy that doesn't have truth to it because the media, whenever it talked about Russia for the last four years, five years now, um, did it with this, this delusional, context-free breathlessness. So we're going to stop feeding that because they just do not know how to handle it. I agree with you, though. I agree. The government should be transparent. I just expect so much more of our institutions, and we're just not getting it. Look, we, we, can, off, we can talk a bunch about what the responsibility of the media is and government failures on, on both sides of the aisle. That's what we do here on, on Save the Nation. Still, the fact that government is holding information, and, it, and by the way, it wasn't about, it wasn't just about uh, Russian uh, disinformation or Russian- um, Facebook ads. You know, Facebook ads. And, and, and first of all, a lot of those were aimed during 2016, during the 2016 election. They were aimed primarily at African-Americans to suppress black votes. So- it's debatable whether it actually worked. It wasn't necessarily to get them to vote for Trump. It was to get them to see an equivalence between uh, Hillary Clinton and Trump and say, Hillary Clinton's just as racist. Hillary Clinton's done this. She did that. You know, trying to play that up and therefore uh, suppress Black votes that she needed. And we saw that a lot of African-Americans didn't vote as in, in as large a numbers a lot of other groups that normally vote with uh, Hillary Clinton or would have voted with Democrats uh, stayed home. And a lot of people say that was the difference. Who knows? They came out in force in 2020 after four years of Trump. And that's why you got a victory, particularly in places like Michigan and places like Wisconsin and places like uh, Pennsylvania and certainly in Georgia. And that's why we're having all these ridiculous conversations about elections and, you know, they're, you know, doing recounts that only prove that Biden got even more votes than they originally thought. Um, but I, I'll just say, like, all of that aside, all of that aside, the government should not be holding information from us. You know, it was about the border. It was about the threat of white supremacists. And it was the threat. Uh, and it was, you know, the, the Russian uh, issue. And they were like, yeah, we don't want to talk about any of that. Don't let the press have it. 
So it wasn't just the Russia thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just all of that, 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 that guy mentioned. It was, you know, he filed, uh, Brian, I think his name, Brian Murphy. He filed a, um, a whistleblower, whistleblower complaint. Mm-hmm. And the reason he did that is because they were, they were basically saying, we don't want the American people to know any of this. And I think that that is troubling. It's probably That's worth remembering, though. Me. That's it's probably big... worth remembering, though, uh, Jason, that like, you know, the intelligence community speaks in um, degrees of confidence, right? So they have like like the like varying degrees of confidence. I don't know all of their their nomenclature, but moderate confidence and or whatever. And so they have levels at which they and and each of the intelligence agencies assess all of this differently, right? So you'll get something different from the CIA. You'll something something different from the FBI. Something different from DIA about their level NSA. Their levels of confidence in any particular story. And um, the reality is, the intel community by and large has been very abusive of the American people's trust for decades. Uh, and it's really manifested itself in pretty gross ways over the last, uh, uh, let's say, since the turn of the century, right? Everything from the degrees of confidence in, in weapons of mass destruction in Iraq to the degree to, to not foreseeing the rapid collapse of Afghanistan, the failure there to, to predict that, the failure. I think they, they failed to predict the end of the Cold War, right? I mean, there was... The intel community is like routinely failing and routinely abusing its power too. I think that the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy theory was fed by abuses within the intelligence community that made it happen. I think that's just explicit at this point. Um, additionally, the you know go into the um, go back to when the uh, the Hunter Biden story was first snuffed out by the American news media. Just to go back to Hunter for a moment. One of the reasons it was snuffed out is because all these former, quote unquote, intelligence officials, they were people who worked in our intelligence community, came out together and they said, this, all, this has all the markings of Russian disinformation, they said, in a collective letter that was organized by former CIA director John Brennan. And the media ran with it and used it as a predicate not to cover the, uh, the rest of the Hunter Biden story with any uh, interest because they thought, well, we're advancing Russian disinformation because they were told that by these former Intel community guys, who, by the way, said in the very same letter that they have no evidence to prove that it's that that's the case, uh, and, but they still suspect that it might be Russian disinformation. John Brennan, there's not an American alive who should trust that piece of shit. That guy, that guy lied about spying on the United States Senate and the Democrats and the Republicans on that committee. And back then you had Democrats who were genuinely angry at him. Now he's like this respected truth teller where he's like hired by NBC to be the guy that they turn to, to assess what's going on. That the moment he says, like expresses some sort of anti-Trump position, it's taken as gospel by places like Politico, which ran a story saying, yeah, it looks like the Hunter Biden stuff is Russian disinformation according to these former Intel community members. So I say all of that as a way to suggest that yes, you're right. I, I want transparency out of my government. Absolutely. But the idea that I would reflexively trust any of these intel agencies, uh, that's long gone. I'm not going to reflexively trust any of them because I think they've abused our trust so much that they have a long way to go to earn it back. I mean, hey, fair for you to have skepticism. That's what, you know, uh, I would I would say many Americans are skeptical about a lot of things. Um I think once the sad part is that Americans get skeptical, even after evidence, you know, evidence after evidence after evidence shows a proof after proof after proof shows, uh, you know, 
the truth. Sometimes, you know, because of some of these things, we remain skeptical or we, we still don't believe it. Um, and that's, that's the sad thing, you know, and, and I think that would go into some of the lies about the election. Trump won, he won Arizona, even though cyber ninjas who were openly pro-Trump did that forensic uh, recount. The and audit. then you find uh, audit and then you find, hey, he actually got 300 more votes uh, than was uh, initially uh, believed. My point isn't about any of that. My point is only that let the American people decide what they should see and what they shouldn't see or what they yeah. should believe and what they shouldn't believe. And that is where I'm, there were people who saw the Hunter Biden story and some Americans dismissed it and some Americans believed it, right? So give us the opportunity to say, well, white supremacy is not a threat. Oh no, I'm not worried about it. Or, oh, the right. border is fine, you know, under Trump. Trump's doing all the right things. And, you know, or, oh, the Russians, yeah, they're doing stuff, but it won't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, give me the opportunity. You know, all these people, all these right wing freaking weirdos who go around talking about freedom and I need freedom and, da, 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 and I give me this, give me that. And then they're like, no, but you don't need that information. Mm -hmm. That's hypocritical. Mm -hmm. Give mm -hmm. me the American, an American person, the opportunity to say, I believe this. I don't believe this. I trust this agency. I don't trust that agency. Yeah. This is somewhere where I really thought we were going to be on the same page. I think we're on the same page more than you realize. That's all I'm saying. I think that I'm, I'm with you. It's not just give me, give us information though. It's more specific than that. Tell us the truth. That's, that's it. That's what we want to know is the truth. What do you know? What don't you know? And, and remember uh, in America, you work for us. That's how this system is set up. And we need to remember that all the time in every context. So I think, I think you and I agree probably more than you realize. Uh, but like I said, I. But, just, just as, but I, I think we agree. You're, you're saying we agree. And I think we largely do. But what you're also saying is, well, I'm not surprised. You're making an excuse. No, I'm for making not a, giving I'm, us information. No, what I'm doing is giving you a 10,000 foot, 30,000 foot, that's where planes fly, uh, a 30,000 foot uh, political analysis of just my lack of surprise about the circumstances. Yeah. Um, oh, and I, as, I'm not and, surprised. And as I like assess, you know, the, the extent to which I think this is a scandal, I think it's low grade. That said, I'm for transparency. So yes, I'm for the truth and, and, uh, and telling us what you know and what makes you think you know that. Um, because look at, look at COVID It's a perfect example. There's like so much secrecy and so much defaulting to like public health guidance and just do it, just shut up and wear the mask kind of attitude. It's disgusting. I'm done with the patronizing garbage. Just tell us the truth. Tell us what you know, tell us what you don't. And then if we, you know, this is like any relationship. And if we're convinced that we can trust you, then it's going to make us more inclined to believe you when you tell us to do the things you want us to. It's really simple. It's a very straightforward uh, assessment of human psychology. Uh, and um, I think we're owed better. That's all, Jason. Yeah, no. I, and, you know, we, we've talked a lot about COVID. And it's funny because, you know, I, I tried to do the 30-foot analysis when it came, or the 30,000-foot analysis for, you know, COVID because, you know, I was like, hey, they probably, you know, are trying to save lives and right. trying to err on the side of, 
uh, transparency or excuse me, uh, err on the side of caution. Right. You know, because if they get this wrong, you know, more people could die and then they really erode trust in what it is they're doing. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's correct that if they have solid information, they shouldn't put information out there. I agree with them. Don't put information out there that's not solid, you know, because then, you know, with COVID, that could really claim lives. Yeah. But if we're talking about something that you have that's solid and you have the information, say it. For you sure. You know what I mean? For sure. Say it. And I and I have my criticisms of the CDC, you know, um, probably as strong as anyone. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and there is disagreement, obviously. We've seen this with Dr. Walensky. There is disagreement about uh, you know, how to you know, public health guidances. I, I get yeah. that. You know, the, the experts don't all agree. Um, but when you have something solid, let us know. Tell us. Yeah. You know, when you're when when there is pretty much uniform agreement, we're not talking about that one DO out in was it in Tenpenny or whatever. I'm not talking about her. I mean real scientists here. When they when they really have something you know, don't hide it from us because you think, oh, well, this will cause this or this reaction will be this way. Tell us the truth. Yes. You know? And that and I agree that will build up trust uh, for the American people. Yeah, right on. All right. Um, real quick here. Uh, I got to say, I love doing this. And the reason we can is because our next sponsor is making it happen. Vincent Jason Save the Nation is brought to you by Gold Cup. All right, Jason, let's jump into this next clip. This is uh, this weekend, the DHS secretary, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, was being interviewed by Chris Wallace on Fox News. They talked about, of course, the state of our southern border. Hasn't this administration created a magnet? Haven't you given the Haitians and a million more immigrants who you had an encounter with at oh, since Joe Biden came into office, haven't you given them a reason to believe there's a reasonable chance if they come into this country, they'll end up being released into the country and have months or perhaps years to stay here? But Chris, the, the, this is nothing uh, new. Uh, we've seen this type of uh, irregular migration many, many times. Uh, throughout the years. I don't know if uh, Governor Abbott said the same thing in 2019 uh, when there were more than a million people encountered at the southern border. Uh, It has gotten worse. Just the the statistics of of your own department show that the flood of people coming illegally across the border has gotten worse under the Biden administration. So I wouldn't call it a a, a flood, Chris, if I I may. But we have have seen large numbers of individuals uh, encountered at our border making a claim for asylum, for humanitarian relief, which is a a statute, which is a law uh, uh, of the United States, that individuals can make a claim of fear of persecution by reason of their membership in a particular social group. That's what the law provides. This, uh, we have certainly seen a large number here in uh, this year, but in 2019, we saw a large number in 2014, in 2010. This is nothing new. It spans uh, many, many years. Uh, it spans different administrations of both parties, and it speaks to the need for legislative reform. All right. What did you think of uh, Mayorkas's defense of the Biden border situation? So first off, 
does does Mayorkas give you uh, Jeff Bezos vibes? Is that is that just me? He does. He definitely kinda, does. It's not just the baldness either. It's like the whole the whole shtick. Yeah. No. Totally. Like that kind of like deliberate way of speaking, mm-hmm. Chris. That's right. If I may, I, I I think that what needs to happen is that under this administration, that's right. It's like yeah, totally that. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know. And honestly, I would probably send someone else out there there to talk to uh, to Chris Wallace because it almost comes off patronizing, <laughs> you know. Like it's like he's like trying to tell you you don't know what you're talking about, right? You know? But um, as far as uh, a lot of what he was saying, he- here's the first thing: it it is that people have to understand that homeland security in this regard, particularly all the things that fall under Homeland Security, CBP, that they are law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're not lawmakers. And so he's actually right when a lot of this falls on Congress. If Congress wants to make laws, which is what Congress does, rather than blaming the people who enforce the laws that they have made or have failed to repeal and make new ones, you know, it, it really doesn't fall as much upon uh, CBP and Homeland Security um, and, and even, you know, even the executive branch as much as it does on Congress for not acting. And you and I have talked about this, and I think we agree that Congress has dropped the ball with uh, in terms of reforming um, our immigration laws. Now, in terms of some of this that we see at the border and the the large numbers. Mayorkas is also correct that we've seen, you know, spikes in the past. We've seen it in 2014, saw it in 2011, saw it in 2019. Um, Yes, more people are coming now. And I do agree that some of this is because they're like, the Trump administration was gonna be cruel. This administration is going to be more welcoming. I do believe that that, rumor has gotten around for sure um i don't know about cruelty i don't know about cruelty but no definitely i know about cruelty i do Uh, know that's what they say that's what the migrants yeah but but the idea is like it's really obvious like if you're gonna break our laws this is your best chance because you couldn't do it as as easily under the last guy but the truth is like trump didn't arrest illegal immigration as you mentioned in 2019 you had these big spikes so like like there's so much more work to be done, but the reality, right. like the, the the reality is like these people have no right to be here, and they think they can get away with it. They know they can get yeah. away with it because Biden's in office, and this is yeah, their no, best shot. I, I, that's that's not true. Um, number one, because as Mayorkas stated, which is true, is applying for political asylum is legal. That's a legal process. Many of our greatest Americans have been political refugees, especially. After we just said we're going to let 95,000 political refugees come into our country and hundreds of thousands have gone to other countries, we have said, yes, we accept political refugees. Other political refugees come to this country and all of a sudden we're going to act like, you know, applying for political asylum is illegal. No, that's a legal process. Well, now, it is illegal all to cross 30, the border. Hold, hold on, you can hold on, wait. Hold on, I'm just, let me just make one point only on this. You can apply for asylum in the United States outside of the United States. That is the legal process for it. Right. So 30,000 migrants who came uh, to the southern border 
um, some of them will get political asylum and some of them are deserving. There are others who are not. Just like we saw in Afghanistan, just like we'll see in other parts of the world, people will apply for political asylum. And uh, the other thing is some of this is class-based. You know, somebody who's a wealthy person in Ukraine, uh-huh. they may know the process. They may be able to go to a to a, uh, an embassy and say, hey, I want to apply for political asylum. Right. A poor migrant who comes from Haiti may not know that process, may not know where to go, how to go about it. They think you show up at the border and you say, if I go to Haiti, I'm going to be prosecuted. Can, uh, can I jump in? Can I throw one thing down here? We've got, they're coming up from mostly from Chile and Brazil, most sure. of the Haitian migrants. Right. And when they get to our border, have you seen the pictures? There are like hundreds of Chilean ID cards that have been thrown out. They're on the border. They're of all these Haitian migrants. They're just like on the ground. They, they, don't, they don't want to be carrying their Chilean identification when they cross into the border, because if they are, then Border Patrol will be able to establish they already have refugee status in Chile. So they're trying to claim refugee status in the United States. They already have re- refugee status in Chile. This is a this is a yes. game. I mean, they're gaming our sure. system. No, there. Okay, so there are some obviously who don't qualify, but that doesn't mean that you can't go through the process and try to qualify for political asylum. So to say that that's some sort of illegal process or they're doing something that's illegal is not true. That is our our situation that is our process. I guess if you want something, it's not upon Mayorkas to change that. If right. you want this, po- and this is the thing that people had with some of the, the decisions that the Trump administration made is that they were trying to govern when you make laws, that's the job of Congress. Yeah. So the failure is not really, in my opinion, it's not even the Trump administration. It's not the Biden administration. It's Congress. It's not Mayorkas. It's Congress for not establishing immigration reform. Our immigration, how many times do we have to hear these people every Sunday show? There's somebody who says our immigration system is broken, but no one wants to fix it. People don't want to get in a room and talk about it and fix the process. I agree with you. The the system itself should be fixed, but there there are some basic things. I mean, the law is that it is illegal to violate our borders integrity. And we have an agency that's tasked with uh, uh, preventing illegal border crossing. That is Customs and Border Protection, ultimately under DHS. In other words, Mayorkas has an obligation to ensure the integrity of our border and to keep people out of the country. If you want to claim asylum, you have a legal right to do it. The sure. illegal thing is to cross into the United States and then claim asylum. Your asylum claim is legal, but your entry into the United States is illegal. And so for now, uh, all I'm wanting is Mayorkas to do his job. That's it. Yeah, and uh, we saw them actually deport literally 2,000 people in 24 hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're, they are... deporting people. Some of those people, I believe, there's no way you can process an asylum claim that quickly. Some of those people were being put into a dangerous situation in Haiti. Um, They also realized that, uh, you know, rather than doing what they did with the Afghans, a lot of times with the Afghans, for people that they couldn't bring into the United States or, or they didn't think would be a good idea to bring into the United States, what did they do? They called other nations. They said, look, Will you take these people? Yes. You have room for these people. Right. But yet the Biden administration was so afraid of the, the visual. And, and if anybody is interested, go back and look at our interview with uh, Jorge Ventura. 
um, who is a Daily Caller reporter who was yeah. at the border. And it was just the eyesore that they were so afraid of that they're just like, start deporting people, start deporting people. Instead of standing, you know, on their own too and saying, look, we're going to process this. We're going to yeah. work this out. We're going to find shelter for people. But look, uh, they moved the majority of those people into the country already, though. I mean, mo- almost all yeah, of them. That's not, that's not accurate, at least not to, according to Mayorkas. He says that they did not move the majority. The majority were actually removed from the United States. But I know we got to remove ourselves from we do. this <laughs> from this discussion. It's been great, Vince. I wish Congress got together and talked it out the way we do. And At you least. guys can watch us Monday, Wednesday, Friday, everywhere podcasts are found. Like, subscribe, get more people to see us so that we can have these conversations as Americans. Definitely go to gruntstyle.com. Go to goldco.com uh, if you're looking for a gold IRA. Uh, Vince. It's always great. Thanks, Jason. Peace out, guys.